Hello, and welcome back to Lovecraft Country Critical. Yes, that voice you hear is Emma, and Yay. I am back for the last episode Yay. of the series. Woo! Yay. Uh, to save us all. I'd like to say... <laughs> I'm here to rescue you. Uh, I'd like to say a very big thank you to our very own Topsy and Bopsy for taking the reins over last week while I was otherwise engaged. Well done, guys. Um, but I'm very... <laughs> I'm very glad to be back for the finale. Uh, Shotgun is, being topsy. You could be topsy, that's fine. Gaz is bopsy. Yep. I hope you enjoy mm. that when you listen to this, Gaz. Um, but like the title of the episode, we've come full circle. I'm back to host our finale. Uh, and it's been like a lovely Emma sandwich, hasn't it? It has. I've dipped in and really out, has. but I'm, I'm here to close it off. Those glorious voices that you hear over there are Lucy and Len. Say hello. Hello. Um, I have a personal message from Bopsy, <laughs> who has telepathically, in a very horrific way, communicated with me that he's very sorry that um, there's a lot of school stuff going on at the moment because they're back to school here. Uh, after the demons, lockdown. yep. So he's... Uh, He's he's teaching little demons at the moment how to be like Bopsy. So um, dance. Yeah, he's, he's a un- dance able to make this episode. Yeah, he's unable to make this episode, unfortunately. So R.I.P. Bopsy. Uh, that's him done for the season. He was terrifying. He was short. He was, you know, a little creature of sorts. Awful at makeup. Done. Yeah. Yeah, awful at makeup. So uh, thanks, Bopsy, and good night. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we are going to go back to our usual structure, uh, which has been quite faithfully held on to uh, while I've been dipping yeah, in and out. Yeah, I didn't change Se- anything. Like, basically semi-retirement for me. Um, so we are going to talk about our over- overall views of the episode and our blueberry scores. And we will go into a deep dive of the plot. We're going to swing over to Cthulhu Corner with Len and a bit listener feedback. Uh, so get ready. Um, <laughs> and then uh, we will close off with uh, a bit of news for you about what we're going to be doing next. So, Ooh, Lucy, news. kick us off, explain the Blueberry score and tell us what you thought of episode 10, Full Circle, the season finale. Okay, Blueberry score, for those who don't know, where have you been? blueberry score is how we rate what we review so welcome. the best well welcome but also where have you been bitch and <laughs> welcome five is the best zero is the worst you can't have any halves so that's how it works this episode i Simples. thought was a bit underwhelming for a finale um wrapped up almost too neatly there's quite a lot of things that just were quite rushed the explanation of um, off-screen deaths, things like that, which I didn't really enjoy, and uh, yeah, I found it a bit underwhelming. So I'm going mm. to give it three blueberries. Ooh, succinct. three. Still, a, still an alright score, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. not bad. It's very succinct. Jesus Middle Christ. of the road. Uh, I'm going to go next because I've not had a chance to shout my opinions S- at people for weeks. Save the best till last. So <laughs> or maybe I just forgot about you, Len. Um, I love this episode. <laughs> right, so I, I watched both episodes nine and ten today. Um, yeah. So I was on a bit of a roll, and I was I, so I watched episode nine, listened to the podcast, watched episode ten, wrote all my notes, and I was like, "Oh, I'm quite enjoying this." I actually thought that bringing bringing everybody full circle, not bringing everybody full circle, but bringing everybody all of the key players apart from George really back back into this episode. R.I.P. R.I.P. George. Um, 
and bringing back some of the characters from the past and there was quite a lot of drama around it I thought we had some really good emotional connections there were a couple of surprises um black one-eyed Shogoth turned up that was cool cool. um I thought the effects were pretty cool um Mm. and actually I cried in this episode and I think that's sad sorry that for yeah I mean look that for me is a sign of a good episode if it elicits any kind of emotion from hey, me. I cried. I cried last week, and me I was too. happy to say I that. I cried twice today. That, that I was crying all was over emotional. the place last week. It I really cried. Got at, me last week. I cried at Rewind nineteen twenty one, mm. and I cried here. Um, and I will echo what you said actually, then about last week's episode that uh, Michael K. Williams is fucking spectacular, and he mm. is absolutely the star of this show for me now. Um, oh yeah the the last two episodes especially and you know they are freshest in my memory he blew me away with his performances mm-hmm. and I really believed him although at times I did find him hard to understand he's got quite low just watch with subtitles mm. like me yeah I should do that that's what Len always tells me to do yeah. I just ignore it because Len says it um, so I am going to give the season finale a four blueberry I don't think it was perfect very good uh, there's things I wouldn't have done um I'm still not sure why Hippolyta's got blue hair. You know, or is he a blue, what, isn't it? What ifs? Um, but yeah, four bloops, solid. Len, hit me. What you got? Yeah, right. This is it. This is the finale. So let's let's you know rat, rattle off a monologue. <laughs> um, so, what have I written down? This is general thoughts. Okay, Len so picks this up has been the book of names. Uh, this is my feedback. <laughs> Uh, I'll just in, enchant some sort of spell and it'll open. No, um, <laughs> so this has been a season with some excellent episodes um, and it's had some, like, it's genuinely a show that I have never seen anything like before in terms mm. of just um, the way it handled, you know, the subtext with the fantasy slash sci-fi slash horror style. Um, it's been like, it's been so weird. It's been bizarre. It's been fascinating. Um, and I think it, at the moment, like we, we discussed this a lot when we first started covering the show, due to the time it's being released and everything, I think it's a very important show in the context mm. of what's happening in the world at the moment. And I think there couldn't be a better time in terms of the, the me- messaging of this show to be released. Like it, it, it's, it's a very important show at the moment. Did the finale stick the landing? I think it's sort of like... I'm sorry, land, it sounded like, like you a, said, like, did the finale dick the it landing? It sounded then. just like no, that. No, well, well, it didn't dick it. Yeah, did thank it, you. Well, I don't it, think it was it, just me. Fine. Okay. Well, did it stick stick the landing? Um, it's like a gymnast who's just done a triple somersault off the horse. They're, they're landing. They've landed it. And then they sort of almost fall over. They sort of gather themselves a little bit and then they have Hands another little the stumble. They never fall over, but they kind of get there. And I'll give this a four blueberry mm. because of that. I think, look, I enjoyed it. I was emotional, not as much as I was last week. Um, but the episode did get to me, especially the Michael K. Williams stuff at the end. I, I thought that was, you know, once again, Emma, you said it. Guy's fantastic. Mm. He has been the standout for me for the back end of this season um obviously journey smell has been fantastic as well uh, but for me michael k williams has been unbelievable um 
but it all felt a little rushed. And I think that was my biggest issue with it is that the fact that um, literally after the the end of the ritual and it working, there's no sort of like epilogue. Now, I'm not saying there needed to be an epilogue, but it would have softened things. Just a few scenes, like a couple of years on, mm. it would have softened things for the viewer to just digest what they've seen. And I feel like you didn't really get time to sit with what you've seen. See, I thought that kind was of... quite an interesting choice because yeah. I like the fact that we're left with no knowledge. So you can either decide, oh, it's all right because Letty's got magic. She'll she'll bring back Tick and it'll all be fine. Oh, or that ain't happening. That, or it's just Jesus grim Christ. and miserable. Or, you know, you don't, yeah. you just don't know. And I, I think that opportunity to use your own imagination is is really brave to do that in the show because we are so used to seeing the five years later, you know, here's baby George and whatever. I, I like the choice. I suppose it is fitting for a show that has thrived upon jarring our sort of expectations of what, we're seeing and how messaging should be delivered in a TV show um, just because it's such a jarring like tonal shift sometimes with this show. Maybe it's fitting that it did end that way. I will say that uh, Gareth was correct. I'm just, I'll say it now. Yes, yeah. D is Kudos, the Gareth. robot woman from the future. So well done, Gareth, and certain sections of Reddit and theory crafting groups out there. I kind of um, will admit that I was like, nah, that's ridiculous. And it turns out it's completely true. So, um, <laughs> Subverted you know, your I'll expectations, then. My... Do you still think it's ridiculous that it was her? Uh, stand by that? It's interesting. I still think it's a bit ridiculous, but <laughs> at least it's got a little bow on it. I will say, just my last thought on this, that the D scene at the end was such an interesting choice. Um, mm. And I felt that, we'll talk about it in a bit, but I felt that the 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 moment for her was good but the Jurassic Park uh, mimicking <laughs> shot at the end was abysmal. And that is, <laughs> and, and, and for me, we'll talk about it in a minute, but why are you ending your show on the show? This is what I mean about just an epilogue, right? Why are you ending the show on the show goth roaring at the moon? Very T-Rex style, obviously, uh, amongst other things. I was like, that is the weirdest shot to end the season on. And... That's just annoying because I don't want that image in my head. I want like the emotional stuff, you know. Well, so, that hadn't even occurred to me, um, which is quite interesting. It, it, it was bizarre. Anyway, that's my thoughts. Still a very good score. Four blueberries didn't quite nail the landing. I'd said last week they wouldn't be able to do it uh, because it's going to be tough to, you know, do everything very neatly. And that's just the way that, it's very hard. Most shows never end perfectly. The only show in my mind... That's ended perfectly. Is it the leftovers? Is Breaking Bad. Oh. No, and and actually the leftovers. Thank you, Emma, <laughs> for mentioning that. Uh, the leftovers and Breaking Bad, two of the best shows of all time, uh, ended perfectly, and this just didn't end perfectly. But that's not a bad thing. Look, guys, most shows don't end with everyone a hundred percent satisfied. That is a fact. And neither so does that's it. Four bloobs. But it's over. Mm. So don't worry. Um, it's okay. Over. Interesting. Two perfectly. fours and a three. That is that is not a bad. Not a, a bad good. set of scores, considering very the, good. the up and down um, of this season. And I think I can totally understand, Lucy, where you're coming from with a three blueberry. Um, but we've we've got a lot to talk about in this plot. Um, mm. Good, bad, ugly, confusing. It's all there. But before we do that, I'm really sorry. I'm going to hand back to Len. Not him again. Have a break. Oh. 
everybody, and welcome to your favorite show about classic cartoons from the 80s and 90s. It's Knowing is Half the Podcast. Join Ray Stacanus. Hi. Robert Clark Chan. Ugh. And me, Gina Ippolito, as we explore the worst and the best, but mostly the worst, that children's animation has to offer. Now, I know what you're thinking, but why would I, a grown-ass adult, want to revisit my childhood during this time of strife and turmoil when everything is literally on fire? Uh, hey, isn't this going to sound kind of dated and weird when the world actually calms down? We've got nearly 500 episodes covering everything from the awesomeness of the entire 80s Sunbow series G.I. Joe to the weirdness of Cartoon All-Stars to the rescue to the weirdness of Hey Arnold to the weirdness of Chuck Norris and the Karate Commando. Okay, Gina, they get it. They spelled commandos with a K. Knowing is half the podcast. Find it on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If it was in your butt, you'd know. Is there a tagline? Hello, yes, advert section, and it is that time that I have been preaching about um, from the hilltops for the last few weeks during the advert section. The finale has arrived. Lovecraft Country is over, and so is our coverage of Lovecraft Country. However, if you want to hear our lovely voices, our British wit, our interactions of hilarity with each other, then please do search Fan Critical on any podcast app and subscribe. We have over 230 podcasts on there covering all things that you can imagine. Game of Thrones, Stranger Things, Walking Dead, Marvel Films, uh, Commission Podcasts, How the Fuck Have You Not Seen That Series, The Worst of Netflix, the list goes on. So please do search Fan Critical. The link is also in the show notes. Click that link. It will take you to Fan Critical and subscribe. We have had amazing support this season. Um, You know, it has been such a lovely season for us in terms of interacting with you the listeners and also um gathering a whole new section of listeners to our podcast network that we haven't had before so if you could please stay with us that would be lovely um because we cover a lot of great shows and i'm sure if you love lovecraft country you will love the rest of our coverage on other shows so that is fan critical on any podcast app also to say if you have enjoyed the coverage this season and you feel like we deserve some sort of reward, which is perfectly normal because I always feel like we deserve rewards, Um, you can go to www.patreon.com forward slash fancritical. And on there, you will see there are options to donate money to us monthly. But don't worry, it's not just for free. You do get bonus content. We've got like 20 cast episodes on there which are short podcasts where we recast famous films with different actors. Uh, And we also have options to commission a podcast. We've got some commissions coming out soon. Sorry for the delay on those. It has been uh, tough with lockdown and also with this show. There's a lot of research that goes into this show, so it means that we have to put quite a bit more effort into the show at the moment. But as soon as this show is done, the commissions are coming back. And yeah, basically, patreon.com forward slash fan critical. Any financial support for the podcast would be hugely appreciated so thank you very much and thank you to everyone who's reviewed the show thank you for everyone for listening this season please do subscribe to fan critical back to emma in the studio thank you len uh, it's time to do our deep dive into the plot of this episode. Um, so we open up with the team getting Dee back to the apartment. She's half transformed into Topsy slash Bopsy again. One of my brethren, <laughs> yep. Topsy or Bopsy. Yep, your sister. And or. Not Gaz, mm. Dee. Um, 
And they've also got the book of names and the incantation to open it, which Tick then reads. So the book flips mm-hmm. itself open, turns all the pages, and it flips to the page that has the Hattie and Tick's birthmark. Do you remember seeing that quite a lot? Mm-hmm. Yeah, all. Um, so then all of a sudden, Tick and Letty pass out, all panic like all hell lets loose everyone's like what the fuck uh, and tick is flashback to the burning arden mansion where hannah says the answer is in your blood letty on the other hand has been taken back to tulsa uh, and tick's great-grandmother hattie which might be great great grandmother i can't remember which mm-hmm. um and she tells letty that the child that she carries that has brought her there um and that they must learn about the book Lucy, how did you feel about us immediately going away from the real world and into some fiery dreamscape? Well, it was a bit rushed, like Len said, and slightly confusing as to sort of why Letty's ancestral space would not really have anything to do with her. It's all to do with Tick and his family. Um, I guess that's just to say that is it's because she's pregnant with the bloodline of yeah. um of magic, as it it's were. It's just one of those things where I think the bloodline one magic. of the problems with the, the show is the kind of reliance on magic, but it all being taken so seriously, it doesn't really gel that well for me because they're talking about all these spells and whatnot, and it's all like done with such a straight <laughs> face. It's like, oh, there's not really any like yeah. fun in this. And I think you need that if you're going to be <laughs> dealing with literally magic. Sometimes I agree with that. I agree. This is the thing about the show. It's so all over the place with it. The tone is, this is very what I mean. all over the Sometimes place. it's funny with the magic and sometimes it's serious with the magic. Well, there's a really dark undertone to it, isn't there? That, like... Yeah, 100%. But I've got a question for you, Lucy. I've got a question for you, Lucy. Does does Harry Potter talk about magic seriously? I don't know. Now, listen, listen, listen. I don't like Harry Potter, so I don't care. But I'm just asking as a, as a, as a, as a sort of no, query. It's not... The world that's created is not like the backdrop of racism and it's not got very serious issues got issues but it's not grounded in this like reality that's taken very seriously and then just the way it Mm. i don't know i just don't think it really for me well and also the tone is a bit all over the place with regards to the magic and also it's not clear a lot of the time and they just the expedition expositional dialogue sometimes there are no rules yeah and i think the minute there are are no rules with the magic Mm. which which is when like you know letty got brought back to life and then you know Later on, it happens again. She gets brought back to life without much. Spoiler. Well, yeah. Spoiler yeah. warning for the show. For the show. Um, yeah. And then you think, maybe Atticus will come back to life. Like you said, Lem, when there's no rules or there's no sort of matrix for the rules, no foundation. Mm, there has to be rules. It, or, I mean, I remember Heroes, if anyone used to watch that show. I don't know why I've brought that up a couple of yeah. times. Classic, yeah. But it got to the point where... Love, Love it. I think it was Claire, the cheerleader, could just undo anything that happened. It's like you get into the point where there's no peril if you can just do anything you want. Um, well, there's no consequences anymore. Yeah, and if there aren't rules, and we said this about Castle Rock, didn't we? Yeah, we did, and I think it's obviously it, it suffers. That is, that but is I, you know, seeing Hannah again, and then yeah, they've been working on this spell in the ancestral space. It's a lot of information to cram in, and a lot of oh, actually, it turns out this. So this now works because of something I've just told you. You didn't know mm. about like I don't, I, I don't really get mm. on board with that. Um, and yeah, it was just a bit. The books flied open. Now they're gone. I was like, oh god. What about D? <laughs> I thought we were trying to fix D. Mm. Yeah, guys, pay attention to D. I mean, yeah, I I see where you're coming from, Lee. I I really do see where you're coming from, and I think 
I would have, and this is what I said about the first few episodes, first couple of episodes, I'd have liked to see it stretched out longer. I think actually I'd have liked to see, have seen this over the course of more than one season. Um, yeah, Because some of it's really mm-hmm. interesting. And even if it is dark, if you can explain how it works, you can explain the consequences. I mean, we do sort of get a little bit of that from Hannah. Like, um, Hattie and Hannah both tell Letty and Tick in their different kind of, uh, places different uh, different things that all add up so um hannah explains that she used the spell titus used on himself to hide the bloodline from mm-hmm. magic basically so they couldn't be found um and then hattie tells letty that hannah opened the book once more before she died um essentially to bind it so that she could stop the suffering that it caused for her and people around her happening to other people um you know and hannah talks about how the fire in this environment they're in is her anger that she passes with her um and that although magic isn't to be feared there is there is control that's needed or kind of care needed to to take with it um and And she has a plan oh yeah and i've got a plan is yeah like the end of it i've got a plan i just want to say that um, I thought the scene with Tick and his mum was very nice, yeah, and beautiful, it was moving uh, and tender. And, and I forget that I know there's a lot of stuff going on here. Lucy's right; like, there's not only have you got two different ancestral plane locations, two different sort of things going on, and then there's just that nice slow down where Tick sees his mum mm. again and uh, has that hug and just that sort of that thing that never disappears. Um, from Tick is the fact that he's, he, you know, he, he missed his mum and he, there's been a lot that's gone on with his father and um, it's interesting to me that it was just that nice moment in this ancestral plane between them and I thought that was very fitting um, I thought and lovely. it was quite a beautiful reunion, actually, um, you know, and that that's where we next go. And um, Dora says that she never had a choice with George and Montrose um, that they were a part of her soul and all of their love made tick that he has Montrose's fierce heart and George's integrity, mm-hmm. which That's I thought good. was very true and actually really quite beautiful. Um, and then what she says is that Hannah's spell is going to change everything and it's a beginning, mm-hmm. not an end. So I, I, mm-hmm. I think it was beautifully done because we haven't really seen much of Dora apart from with George at the Arden Mansion right at the beginning. And then we've heard a lot about her, but we've not had a chance really to experience her. And I think it was done really, I think it was done really well. Um, so then everybody meets up in the sub dream fire world. So we have Dora, Tick, Letty and Hattie. Um, and the four of them surround the bed, which is the bed that D is in in the actual real world and they start concentrating on D to cast the spell to heal her um, which works fantastic and Letty and Tick come back to the real world um, and while they're all surprised that Letty and Tick are alive D has noticed that her arm is still bopsified um, Len what do you, I mean, how do you feel about this because A we've realised here that obviously Gaz is right and that will upset you greatly um, and B um, this happened very quickly this is like the first 10 minutes of the show uh, so I do think they needed to, to wrap I do think they needed to wrap this up because it's gone on for way too long in the book Caleb Braithwaite just literally goes oh there you go I've cured it 
And in this one, obviously, they've extended that storyline to mean they have to go back in time to get the Book of Names from Tulsa, which I said is very good, and it was a very good episode. But it's been this this storyline spanned over three episodes now. It just it, it's a short story in the book, um, and I did feel like there's so much to get through to get a conclusion to the show. They needed to get through the D storyline now because they got the book, cure her, and let's move on. Um, but it was good. It's good. Gareth's right. The robot arm thing, which gets done later, is 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 insane. Um, but it's kind of cool in a way when it's you awesome. think about what Hippolyte has been, like the journey she's been on and stuff. I mean, it is pretty cool. Um, I was waiting for the... Ever since uh, since I saw the arm, I was like, in, at the start of the episode, I was like, when are we going to see the robot arm? And then obviously it's in the very final scene. You know, that scene at the end, and we'll talk about it in a bit, but... Just thinking off the top of my head, it could have been a post-credit scene. I think it would have yeah, been more effective. Yeah, that would have been cool. Um, you know, leave that, leave that the last have, scene alone. That would have felt. Uh, sorry, sorry. Anyway, continue. Anyway, D, thank God she's fine. To be honest <laughs> with you, but uh, I knew she would be. I knew she would be fine. Yeah, because I know I'm, what happens. I'm glad book, she's recovered. Though, you know, I'm glad she's recovered. Um, well, look, th- things are going to start to move a little bit quicker now. Um, so, Letty, Tick, and Montrose are in the kitchen trying to work out what to do. Montrose is really against him, you know, being any part of this. And Tick kind of comes across and he's adamant that the book he has is just another possible future. He doesn't necessarily die. Um, we obviously and, come and back what to makes that me later. Laugh, that, that, that there's a funny line here, which I wrote down. <clears throat> um, we've seen monsters, ghosts, a magical treasure hunt, curses, the past, the future. We can't stop now. I was like... Um, <laughs> Sorry, someone yeah, reviewing the line. show. <laughs> Yeah, Recap. I was like, are you are you literally spelling out to the audience? Uh, okay, so episode one, episode three, uh, one and episode one monsters, episode three ghosts, episode four a magical treasure hunt. <laughs> um, you know, I was just like, are you, are you, what are you doing here? This is interesting. It's quite funny. It's kind of like a hey, listeners, we've been on a bit of a roller coaster, haven't we? It's quite um, a nice sort of like breaking the fourth wall thing, isn't it? Almost. Yes, it was. It was. It wasn't. It was definitely that. It definitely had the intention to go past the characters in the show and to us. I'm sure of it. So it was in. Yeah, made me chuckle. We're gonna. um, Thanks, Len. We're gonna revisit our um, treasure hunt, watery treasure hunt, because Letty and Tick head Mm. back to her house. They get down in the basement. Tick waves hello to his show goth pet, uh, and they get in the elevator and head back down into the watery depths together again. Um, So what they start to do here is they. Uh, they create a circle of salt and Tick uses his blood to start writing symbols inside that. They write some symbols in the circle and they start reciting a spell. Some weird old mist comes through the tunnels and it gathers in the middle of the circle of salt and uh, Titus Braithwaite appears. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, mm. Lucy, th- again, you know, I'm coming to you on the magic stuff. Um Titus appears in the middle of the circle, then Hannah appears. Uh and, and it you know, this all goes a bit a bit odd. What did you think about the ritual, the spell, what they were trying to do? I think again, like not that I expect lots of explanation and talking me through it, but you know, Letty's just memorized this language that how does she can she even read it to chant this spell? Um yeah, they, they bring back mm. Titus to chop out a bit of his body. It's just, I mean, and he's dressed like quite modern, I thought. Anyone else think that for a slave owner? Yeah, yeah. I, I thought, wasn't I really looking. The, 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 
you you are right about the costuming here, Lucy. In terms of timeline, he should be wearing a cravat or something, shouldn't he? He's from like he's from early seventeenth yeah. century, like early. I'm talking. I think it's like seventeen twelve or something off the top of my head. That's the eighteenth century. Is when he's from. He did look very nineteen twenties. There will yeah. be blood. Prospector, sort of, yeah. Um, you know, costuming. I mean, we digress. I mean, that's a no, but it kind of point, made me think. Who um, is that? But you mentioned about them cutting out a bit of flesh. So wasn't that? Wasn't he cutting out the um, invulnerability mark, of, mark? Yeah, I thought it was from his chest. Yeah. Was it? Um, yeah, you didn't really see it, but that, that's what it was. Yeah. He ate it. I enjoy, so I, there's one it? bit of this that I really enjoyed because. Yeah, let's talk about that later because I'm well confused. Um, so all the women turn up. So you've got Hannah, Hattie, um, Dora, yeah. Letty. Yeah, a lot of strong women. Uh, and then That's obviously good. Yeah. Tick. Yeah. Good. I am loving the theme of strong good. women in the mm-hmm. show. I think it's really good. And uh, what I thought was quite powerful was, was them sending them back to the afterlife and how mm. Tick struggled to be able to do that with his mother. So Letty did it for him. I thought that was quite beautiful. Yeah. Like it. It worked really well. There's a lot of emotion in this episode that I thought was tonally very well done. I think it built well um, on the last episode where there was quite a lot of like like Montrose's emotion with um, Tommy and not being able to change and not being able to change the, the future rather. Um, and that kind of fit in with this again. Like he can't send his, he struggles to send his mum back because he doesn't want to have to. But Letty understood that she can't stay. I think the show's done a very good job of strong female characters like throughout the season like mm. if you just look back and everything and and i think what's great here is these are all matriarchs for mm. tick you know what i mean they're all sort yeah. of strong matriarchs for him even letty who's now the mother of his soon-to-be son george uh freeman um so it was fascinating to me and it was oh, like george foreman remember it Really, yeah, that's what I said last week. Yeah, really, really uh, do, do you remember when, like, in episode three, they called upon their ancestors to help banish the poltergeist in, yeah. in the basement Winthrop or whatever? Mm. Yeah, and this is similar, but on a bigger scale with with these characters, like who are strong matriarchs for Tick. So it was it was great to have such, you know, it's great. I love I love the show for championing. Um, female characters in yeah, this show. Yeah, done, done very well. So, totally, great. and we get another one of those. We get another couple of them as well, don't we? You know, we've got Hippolyta. She's fantastic. And we get GR back this week, which is great. Yeah, 100%. Um, I'm not going to talk about the fact that he jumped out of the circle in front of Christina's car with Ruby in it as well and then jumped back. We'll just leave that. I've mentioned it. Uh, we're going to head over to the flat to see Hippolyta and Diana. Um, why I've written Diana there, I don't know. Hippolyta and D. They're clearly really struggling to reconnect. D is angry. She's really, really angry. She feels like Hippolyta deserted her and Hippolyta's well, trying... She did for 200 years. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a long time. It is a bit shitty, I will be honest. Um, and she talk, She t- tells her a little bit like, about where she's been, um, you know, and she went somewhere where she could be Orothea Blue, which is... She thinks it's going to go down well with D, but actually it goes down like a sack of shit. And then she says, oh, you know, and after 254 years, I named myself mother and it brought me back to you. And I, I think that if I was D, I'd probably have kicked her in the shin. Um, what, uh, Len, what do you think about Hippolyta's return and, and her attitude towards everybody now that she's been traversing the world and she's basically a magical genius? Hmm. It's interesting, isn't it? It's uh, 
it's it's mad to me to think uh, it, you know what the thing is it's that idea that we've talked about that now anything is possible right so she can go to you know in parallel universe theory or multiple earth theory or whatever you want to talk about it at the idea is that every time you make a decision there is an alternate universe where just that one decision is different right so the possibilities are endless endless limitless infinite i think they say like 300 trillion earths at one point or last week or something um so it gets me to the point where i'm like okay so they could just go to an alternate earth where tick doesn't die i know this is digressing and stuff like that but this is what hippolyte has been through she's been through this honestly infinite possible adventure do you think that that's made her cold it's made her a bit if anything it should have made her more wise but i and i think it has but i think that you know when you elevate your intelligence to a point uh, like in when we see this the way (laughs) we perceive it when you elevate your intelligence and experience to a point of um you know all knowing essentially or knowing too much then you actually lose you lose a bit of humanity to get to mm. that level and i think that's kind of what's happened with hippolyta a little bit like she's she's traveled she's she's named herself so many times that she's sort of lost a little bit of that relationship with d and that's interesting i guess but I, I, it looks like they sort of get it back a bit throughout the course of the episode but i guess it's just that idea that knowledge is is power obviously but at the same time it made her forget herself a little bit you I- know I think think talking about that power and that kind of omniscience that she almost seems to have and the way that that's made her almost sort of... It comes across as detached and cold, I think, because she has so much knowledge that how do you you verbalise that? How do you act with that? I think that is is going to change you. But for someone like Dee, I think that's just... That must be incredibly hard to manage. Um, Yeah. I think I found Hippolyta hard for me to get to grips with. I wasn't sure how I felt about her now that she's come back, given how I felt about her before she went off and traversed all the, you know, multiple worlds. Um, The cosmos. Yeah, you know, interesting. Um, But we will come back to their relationship because I I think it is important that that kind of gets rounded off. Um. So after this, we we head into basically into George's office, so the Safe Negro Travel Guide office. Uh, so we've got Letty, Montrose, and Tika. They're clearing up. They're talking about how they can get close to Christina. And Letty suggests that they use Ruby um, to get what they need. Da, 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 da. Uh, which, firstly, Lucy, I think you'll agree with me, is a terrible idea. Yes. It's a terrible idea. Agreed. Uh, like, she's never going to help. Um but before that can be discussed, um, Hippolyta has popped up and joined the, joined the fight. And then Christina turns up and she wants to talk to Tick. She's like, I can achieve my spell without killing you if you give me the book of names. Um, but he doesn't want to do that. And as she leaves, she whips away Letty's invulnerability, which is very interesting. Petulant, it is isn't it? Petulant. Yeah, it is. But um, questions the about that later. The of a character who doesn't get who's not used to not getting what they want that is what that is that is exactly what that is a little tantrum well it's also it's a display of power someone who's very spoiled yeah well display of power whatever but it's a tantrum it's a tantrum from a very powerful warlock 
Yeah. That's I mean, what it is. I've recently been reading the last in the Cromwell trilogy by Hilary Mantel. Bit like Henry VIII. He was like a little tantruming toddler, but a huge, very powerful man. You think differently. You No, I'm sorry. I'm going to chop your head off. It's because, as I said, that those people are used to get people getting what they want I've just just compared Christina Braithwaite to Henry VIII it's a fair one but she's just so clueless she's like this isn't personal this is not our families at war I just need your blood to complete a spell that I want to do it's like right they're not going to just roll over and accept that though are they like it doesn't even occur to her that just let me be immortal come on just just do it I just want to be immortal guys it's so fair come on just let me drain you of all your blood exactly exactly it's a bit it's this is what I mean. It's just that idea that she's a smart character, but emotionally, this is so devoid yeah. of intelligence. There's no it's emotional intelligence. It is yeah. unbelievable how she has zero, there is emotional, zero intelligence. emotional intelligence. How does she think yeah, they're going to react to that? Absolutely nothing. Idiot. Yeah. It's oh yeah, don't worry. Just bleed him dry. It'll oh, be fine. We don't need him. We don't really care anyway. Get the razor, mate. Take take the blood. Tack on. Do what you like, love. <laughs> We move on. We have a quick, quick scene where we see some some new black neighbours moving in across the road from Letty's house. Well done, pioneering. We like this. Um, What we don't like is the fact that when they walk through the front door, there is a bloody X written on the door frame. That's less fun. Very ominous. Less fun. Mm. Um, Could that? So I suppose it really shows you that. Could that be protective by our our mob? Doing a cross in the goat's blood. I don't... Maybe. Like they did on the R house. Maybe the top house. Yeah. They've popped over and then gone... <whistles> to make that sure that they're... No, none of the racists can get Immun- in. Yeah. Racist magicians. Yeah. That would be good. If you just had an anti-racist marks, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Um, well, maybe, maybe we'll find out at some point. Uh, Tick makes a phone call, which we then find out is to the hotel where G.I. is staying. Um, thank God, because I was really hoping she was going to come back because I really like her as a character. Mm. Um, so while we're waiting for him to turn up, we don't know that at the time, uh, she has what I think is a sort of 50% hilarious and 50% fucking terrifying conversation with this guy that's trying to chat her up. And he goes, oh, do you not speak English then? She went, no. I said, would you be willing to die to fuck me? And the guy basically shits his pants and runs off. And then Tick turns mm. up. Just, he, I love he made that. a good choice because he, he would have died. Yeah. But of course, <laughs> she that would be her hundredth soul, won't it? So that's true. whoever yeah, she, she takes next, that. mm-hmm. that's it. Done, true done. Uh, which makes the ending of this episode quite interesting, I think. Um, so Tick, Tick turns up. Uh, and he takes back what he said. He says, you know, what we had was real, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the way I spoke to you, which is right, Tick, because you, you were a prick. He was a dick. Tick was a dick. Um, GR talks about how her mother died, and she, she'd just been learning how to feel, and that now she feels she's lost that ability, and he says to her, oh, no, you haven't. That's just grieving, and actually you should be surrounded by family. And one of the things he says to her, which I was quite surprised by, is that they're because they have intertwined destinies that makes them family basically saying i'll be here for you did anybody else feel or did either of you feel like that was a bit manipulative i thought it was a strange thing Maybe. to say and i didn't think it was necessarily true it's like oh we're family now because you told me that how i'm gonna die no and then luckily mm. she's coming along it's on the road trip and luckily she ends up 
sort of helping to save the day. Yeah, I thought, yeah, telling her what he wants to hear. We knew she was the Captain Marvel of this situation, surely. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> because she did just turn up. Spoil, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the scene is lovely. Now, whether or not the end of it is manipulative or not, I don't know. I did feel like he was really, you know, laying his cards on the table. But, but she was there to help him anyway. So he didn't really need to do that. Like she flew all the way there to come and help him. Um, and I thought it was sweet. It's a, it's a reconciliation that we needed because I, I love GR and that's arguably the best episode of the season in my eyes. I, I don't know, but maybe it is. Excellent I can't decide. Um, so, I, and I love their relationship and I didn't want it to be sour when, you know, things come to an end. So it's quite nice to have that little moment you know, just a nice little moment. There's nice little moments in this episode. That's I liked nice the moment right up until that point, And then I was like, oh, I'm not sure about that. Let it go. Otherwise, it was beautiful. Um, let's let's go to the graveyard, shall we? Yes, let's. Lovely place to hang mm, out. Spooky, spooky. Um, it's Halloween. Season. Spooky it's Halloween. Halloween. It's, it's Halloween month. It's Halloween month, isn't it? It is pumpkin so, yes. season. Uh, so Ruby and Letty uh, are visiting their mother's grave, not together separately, but at the same time. And finally, we get the answer we've been waiting for for the whole of the season. Why didn't Letty make it to her own mother's funeral? She was in mm, jail. That is good. She was in jail. Um, but then mm. they have a conversation about excuse. family, which is not obligation, but acceptance, willingness for sacrifice. Um, this is manipulation. Yeah, this I mean, you want to talk fucking manipulation, Letty. right? Letty, you- Letty trying... Try and like she's like literally on the way there. She's rehearsed this speech. It's so rehearsed. She's got cue cards in her pocket. Ruby had it right. Yeah, she said. Um, Yeah, I've learned that families. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's this is manipulation. This is manipulation. I but do you think that it's intentional? Because so what Leslie's trying to do, she's she's trying to get Ruby to get some bit of Christina to help them. Million percent manipulation. And you know what? This is going to sound. This is going to sound harsh. Letty kills her sister in this very moment. Dead. You just killed your sister. Off screen. And this is the thing about an epilogue. Yeah, yeah, I will talk about that. This is the thing about an epilogue that I would have loved because this is huge. Like when we come back to it later. Yeah, this massive. is massive. This is not, I can't even describe to people how huge a thing it is for Letty to not only lose Tick at the end of this episode, but she's lost her sister and she is directly, consequentially involved in the killing of her sister. Like, yeah. She's responsible and for to, it. To not have a character's uh, reflection on that at the end of the episode, even in a very subtle way, is a tragedy. Because, uh, anyway, let's get on to it. But in this moment in time, Letty kills her sister. This is the scene where she kills her sister. It's true. But it's to save her, it's to save her, t- her tick and her baby tick. Yeah, at that point, she doesn't care about Ruby's safety and you're right she's manipulating her it's like oh we're family yes. and Ruby has it comp- is mm-hmm. spot on sees right through and it's like it's literally only when it suits you mm. and I think it's true like I am exactly. um, this isn't my view well it is but I read it somewhere about Christina like she hasn't actually done anything any worse than what we've seen Tick or Montrose do so I actually think Ruby's kind of view on things not saying obviously I don't like Christina I don't think she's a good character but you can kind of see why in this world where no one is perfect, Ruby is kind of a bit 
like taken in by Christina and thinks, well, actually, look, looking around me, who's any better than this? And she's actually taking care of me um, in a way that, you know, Letty hasn't. And offering me things. Yeah. Yeah, it's it. You got you've got to see everything from each character's perspective. So people who think that Ruby's silly for being with Christina, it's not fair because, like you said, she's only seen the goodish side. Do you know what I mean? She's not seen necessarily as bad as what other people are doing around her. So yeah, you're right. It's uh, it's legitimate feelings that Ruby can have. Totally, and actually, of all the people in this in this show. Ruby gets nothing from anybody else. No. They take from her. Nobody gives to her. And so, do you know what? Why wouldn't you want to be with someone who actually likes you in their own strange, evil way and allows you to go off and do things that you'd never imagined you could do? You would, wouldn't you? Mm. Like Living in the world that she lives in and the life that she has. Yeah. Can you blame her for just having a bit of time where she is powerful and she's centred in power? You can't blame him. I mean, talking about people you can't blame, you can't blame Dee for being angry either, um, especially in this next scene uh, where she is scratching out the faces of the jury that acquitted the killers of Emmett Till, um, which in itself is that very quiet, very subtle nod to say, this is how that story ended. It's very obviously faithful Would, to the did truth. You notice, they later admitted that they'd done it. Did you notice the headline? All white, all male jury acquits Emmett Till's murderers. I doubt any of them would have actually reported it as such in that in that way um, back then. But it, yeah. that's definitely saying something. No, but for us as an audience. Um, but to distract us away from that, not to not give it airtime, but um, a an absolutely stunning copy of Dee's comic, Orothea Blue, is slid under the doorway. Uh, followed by Hippolyta coming in and explaining that she could teach Dee to draw like that too, despite her arm. Um, And Hippolyta talks about how people think of time as a physical manifestation when actually time never stops. It keeps going regardless and, you know, moments pass. It's it's very interstellar, this conversation. Yeah, actually. Um, But what I Um, really liked is even though we don't get to see it, we know that Hippolyta has just taken D into her like super scientific experiment invention room, and it's really exciting. Here is I was your like, This arm. is so cool. Well, no, she's just taken, just taken her, just taken her to an alternate universe or whatever. Like it's mad. Now she's got the, the alternate universe machine in her room. It's crazy. It's as easy as that. Um, it's just, it's just amazing. It's, like she's got a room with a time machine in it. She's like, D, come, yeah. come on, have a, you, let's get your robotic you think- arm. I don't think there'll be a season two. We can talk about that later. But I think um, if there was a season two, you could literally have the adventures of Arathea Blue and you know Hippolyta yeah, and Dee. You could literally do that. Um, what I will say as well is uh, my favourite character from the season, most hilarious character from the season, returned in this scene. It's the little alien things. I love them so much. They're in the little comic. Um, they're hilarious. Oh yeah. And if John was still watching the show, he would he would just cracked up when he saw those things because they're just they're just hilarious. These little Martians, bloody brilliant. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it, Len. Very glad. Um, I did. Chuckled. Let, let's talk about Ruby and Christina. So Christina's going over the details of the spell. Ruby spots a vial of skin, hair, and blood. Um, Always lying around. And you know this is where. Just lying around. I mean, what I took from this is that Christina knew um, and Christina was setting Ruby up, essentially. 
which which is a real shame. But Christina says something very interesting. She says, you know, if this spell doesn't work, I've killed the last living member of my family for nothing, um, which is true. Uh, it, it, mm. You know, it doesn't mean it's sad, but it is true. Not true, George Freeman. George Freeman. So no, Christina's family. Yeah, Christina's family is tick. Yeah, not George. So George Freeman. You mean Christina's the baby family. George? Oh, baby George. I thought you meant Uncle ba- George, yeah, I mean, George Junior. No, I mean baby George. Joe Come on, June. George Foreman. Uh, good point. Good point. Very good point. Um, it really saddened me to realise that Christina was setting Ruby up to die. Well, I didn't know she was setting her up to die, but I knew she was setting her up for a fall here. Um, and because I kind of wanted them to work out. Interesting choice to ha- have this uh, sex scene off camera yeah, as well, I by the way. That. I thought that was interesting. It was, I suppose it all, it all reveals, obviously, that well, there's a bit of a... murder sex, isn't it? You know, Sexy murder. Murder's exactly. not sex. The things that, that we've seen joke. in this show, like they could have shown murder sex, I'm, I'm sure, because we've seen some equally horrific things. But yeah, it it does say something that they didn't show that sexy. We take a brief sojourn to the church, nice, uh, where it seems pretty clear and is confirmed later that Tick is being baptized, uh, which I think is a very smart thing to do if you are of that of that persuasion um tick himself is scared you know he talks about wanting a lifetime with letty and it's interesting to me because in the book letty has a very strong religion she has very strong faith and here she seems to have some regained some of that but very late on in the show um i mean lucy what did you think about the choice to put this in you know what i think it's a short scene i think this doesn't necessarily give much coupled with um finding out that Letty was in prison, coupled with her trying to manipulate Ruby, just shows that what a hustler she is because she had the protection of the Sons of Adam with the invulnerability. That's gone. She's like, right, what else, what else can I get? Well, what if I get baptised? Like, now if I really believe in God, maybe that'll protect me. Like, she's always on the lookout for something to kind of mm. keep herself going. Like, I think she's like a true hustler in that respect. And that's what this kind of made me think. Like, is it? I don't think it's genuine. I think she's like, anything I can do that might help my survival, which is what you do when you've got a kid. Like, so I'm not criticizing her, but I just thought it was interesting to that far into the show, like at the end, I finally saw that side of Letty that she's just, you know, she's a survivor and she'll do what she needs to do. Ruthless, I suppose. Yeah. She, she's a survivor, but her father was also a hustler. So, um, hustlers unite. Like, in canon terms <laughs> I don't canon. Know and her mother in the show well show. yeah her mother was a and her mother yeah, and like her mother shyster, was, wasn't was, she yeah psychic well, um yeah so you know but she does whatever she needs to survive you know she's lost the mark of cain she's trying to get a different kind she's of mark hedging of her bets here with power <sighs> yeah interesting she's gonna need it for the journey that's about to kick off uh everybody it's a really interesting scene. So in the background of this whole scene, you've got I Am Blessed by Nina Simone playing. And you've got everybody in Uncle George's old office. Um, they all start to pile into Woody. And then Ruby turns up uh, with the vial from Christina that she supposedly stole, that is supposedly Christina's blood. Um and Letty is very thankful here. And clearly, you know, we know she has no clue that this is not Ruby. Um, and they all trundle off. Did you guys think that this wasn't Ruby at this point? 
I was a bit like, I tell you what. I, no, I didn't I, either. There, I don't want to claim. Yes, that I you did, do want to claim that. But I was like, that's a bit easy. That's what I thought. I thought I felt it was a bit easy. I was just a bit like, and also I was a bit like, isn't Christina going to be a bit concerned that Ruby's doing the journey with her family and not coming with me in my silver car? That's really like, fast. I was a bit like that. I I thought I just thought it was a it was all a bit convenient in I, I did I had no idea that Ruby wasn't Ruby I just thought it was like Christ they're rushing this just to get it done aren't they um, But they were anyway But they're back on the road again Woody Woody's back out Well yeah uh, so we've got Tick Letty Montrose Hippolyta Gr Ruby and D in the car singing along to a song I believe called Shaboom Yeah it was the best scene yeah. of the entire amazing season. I loved it That's what the show needed more of I do. Th- I do believe that, Lucy. Yeah, it kind of felt like a behind-the-scenes clip that had been released on, like, the late the late just show. Just, like, joy. Or something. Yeah, like late, joy late and a bit of, like... Yeah, just seeing them all together because there's a lot of talk fun. of family and it's like, well, this this is them actually together bonding and having fun and there is joy in that kind of experience and, you know, even when, like, when Tick starts doing it really low and then even Montrose joins in, I yeah, I really... I, I would have loved to have more of those sort of scenes in, oh, in so the good. show. I think it would have developed the relationships between them better. Um, you know, I think you, we miss that emotional connection and that development of like who they are when they're not just facing adversity. Like people are not just who they are in front of a danger or a challenge. They are also the people, you know, who they are having a coffee of a Monday morning or whatever, or being in a on a road trip in Woody. Um, I thought it was great. Len, yeah, you're right. One of the best scenes. Like fun. I was just smiling the whole time. Yeah. I was just like, oh, this is so good. Like when Montrose even kicks in at the end. And I was just like, because <laughs> I, I, I was fully expecting the scene to take a horrible turn. I thought turn they might crash. And Montrose to go like, you, yeah. I, yeah. No, I was like, Montrose is going to go, would you guys shut the fuck up? This is a serious thing we're doing. My boy's going to die or something I like that. I thought Tick then, was going to say that before we started singing, to be honest, because he looked really unimpressed. Yeah, but when everyone got involved and was just singing it, I was like, this is my favourite scene of the entire 10 episodes. I absolutely adored it. I don't know. It's just, it, made, it made me so happy inside. No, anyway. it was very well, good. Well, you won't be happy for long. <laughs> no, yeah. because they arrive and uh, Montrose has got a big tin of salt because apparently he's buying big tins. How much salt has he got? So Jesus Christ. Salt. Since the cashing um, and salt. And he's, he's trundling it along. So Tick, oh this is word. the point where Tick takes out the bit of flesh he took from Titus and the vial of Christina's blood, in inverted commas. Um, Montrose throws him some encouraging words. Uh, pinch and swallow, son. Pinch and swallow. Like, So then he eats them. He, he eats the flesh. He should have cooked it first. Ghost flesh, mouldy ghost flesh. Do you think that would still have worked if he just like pan fried it, seared it? Yeah. Oh, oh bit yeah. Of salt a bit of season, marinate, marinate that yeah. for like twenty four hours. Um, some, some fine yeah. spices. Even just a mm, bit of Montrose's salt. Yeah, <laughs> got enough. Could have cured it, it in that salt. <laughs> Could have had cured Titus Braithwaite. He's got, he's got mm. enough of it, hasn't he? Jesus. <laughs> Um, trick. But I mean, that was grim and also wasn't really explained. So interesting. That The idea is that they need, the idea is that he needs, I mean, look, it isn't well explained. They tried. I think they did try. They were like, Christina was showing her book to Ruby at one point and they were all in the, in the war room discussing, discussing what they were doing. And the idea is that he needs a piece of um, Titus. He needs a piece of Christina. 
because it's Titus's spell. So he needs a piece of Titus, he needs a piece of Christina because it's Christina's other spell and a piece of him and himself Christina's other to spell. create this I mean, new spell. This that was the idea. <laughs> and the other other spell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is confusing. But they tried. They did try. (laughs) You are right. I take it back. They have tried. So um, Tick heads off through the woods, like towards the wreckage of Ardim, and Montrose carries on with assault. Brilliant. Uh, Tick arrives in the kind of rubble, and uh, there's lit fires, raised platform that looks like an altar. He removes his dog tags. Anyone notice that? Yeah. So he yeah, I did. He I, takes them I off and like, puts why? them in his pocket, and I don't know why. Mm. I just thought that was odd. Just just bring it up, listeners. Let us know. No, no, I don't. Know, I noticed it out no. of interest. Um, and then <laughs> he's confronted by by the townsfolk. They've uh, they've arrived. They're gonna gently. They're weird. No, yeah, they're weird, aren't they? Fucking weird. Yeah, just wrong. <laughs> yeah, to just just get terrifying. To be honest, I'll shit my pants. Um, and meanwhile, you've got, so you've seen this scene and then you've got Ruby and Letty painting symbols in blood on the walls of the tower. Hippolyta and Gia are doing the same on the bridge. Montrose is just running around with salt, um, which we then learn uh, he's doing a triangle or something. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's another spell. Uh, but suddenly as there, as Ruby and Letty are in the tower, Ruby inverted commas, says something and realisation dawns on Letty that it isn't her. It's fucking Routina. That's what I'm calling her. Routina. <laughs> Routina. Routina. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Routina. Um, Chris Doobie. <laughs> Chris Doobie. Chris Doobie. <laughs> Quizby. I'm calling her Chris Doobie. Chris Doobie's I'm better, calling her Chris I'm calling her Chris Doobie. Um, well, we won't have to call her that for long because she ain't going to be around for much longer. Um... So we've got all of these scenes at the same time, which I I thought they were really powerful and I'm smiling, but it's horrible. So we see like a montage of Letty fighting... Chris Doobie. Chris B is what I'm going to call it now. It's much better. Chris Chris Doobie. Um, And the other gang are defending themselves. Like Hippolyta clearly remembers some of her training from being... Hippolyta, obviously, yeah, uh, which is really yeah. cool. Like it was quite kick-ass. And there's one point where you think that Letty's got the upper upper hand, and then and this blew me away. Chris Doobie throws Letty out the window. Yeah, mm, grand style. What the See fuck? Ya. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? And it was just I genuinely wrote. There's there's no way she could survive that. Things I do for magic. Mm. No way. I was also like, yeah. I felt very uneasy in that scene because um, when they were fighting because Letty's pregnant and she was taking like gut shots every five seconds and I was just like, what? what is this? Like, Why are you I such a like, dick? This is a bit mad. This is a bit mad, isn't it? It was really um, uncomfortable. Yes, I felt very uncomfortable. Um, which is, I guess, the idea of the scene. Um, yeah, it was a shock. And then I was like, I was like, She's definitely not dead because I really thought she was dead. Just, and I thought it, it was really any... powerful. No, I thought it was, but there, there's no way they could have done that. Do you know what was going through my mind here? Do you know? Do you know what was going through my mind? Was when we cut. Then it cuts to D in the car, right? And I was like, well, they've brought the alternate universe machine, and they're just going to jump through to an alternate Earth and save Letty because then like, now they know 
that that's not Ruby. That's where that's that's where my mind has gone it because of the crazy been, possibilities in this show. Wouldn't have been unsurprising. That, no, but that, that's legitimate. Like if it all goes to shit, all right, guys, hop in. We'll go to a different one. Come like, on, literally in the same like, box. It's like, it's like Rick and Morty. It's like Rick and Morty. It's just Rick and Morty. It's essentially that is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely thought she was dead, and I thought it was a real power move, like uh, for the show writers to go. Do you know what? Fuck it, yeah, she's I dead. Yeah, I was quite like... Like with George. Dude, not good. Like, obviously, I don't want Letty to die and she's got her unborn child. But I thought, oh, wow. That's like... That's a thing. That has good. happened. Like, fair, fair play. <laughs> You've done something quite bold. Jesus. Just going to circle back, though. I'm actually disappointed that Ruby died off screen. Because I thought Ruby was one of the strongest characters in the show. One of the most interesting. And she's just had an off-screen death. And it's just mentioned, like, expositionally. I know we see a little flashback. It was really disappointing, not, wasn't it? That's... Well, we did see, you do see, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, it is disappointing, isn't it? But I guess that's the idea, is that it is like like the idea that you don't always get everything wrapped up in a neat bow um, in life. And Ruby, you, this the, the, the more disappointing thing is we don't see Letty react to it other than obviously this fight scene. That's the disappointing thing. I think, honestly, that's more important. And, and, and Ruby is fantastic, but, you know, it, it's just a tough one, isn't it? I, d- I don't know what to make of it because I'm still digesting it all, really. May I throw a head. spanner in your got... works? Go on. Is she dead? In my digestive tract. She track. did. Because... Well, that's a good question. In order, to, in order to turn into her, doesn't she need to be alive? She needs to be comatosed. Yeah, yeah so she's but not she dead. Also... She's in bed, like... She's still breathing. Well, as we know, Emma... As we know, you need to be sort of brain dead for it to work. Um, that's 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 my understanding from the book, and that's also my understanding. Yeah, I don't from think the show she can said. be brought back. So, like you know, it, even if she's not technically dead, I don't think she can come back because she's being just kept alive through probably magic. Mm. Okay, mm. all right. I'll take my spanner back. Then mm. your works can continue to take it back. Stroll on. Yes. <sighs> Get the spanner out of my works. <laughs> Um, right, let's let's head back to let's head back to Tick. He's shirtless. He's trussed up to some contraption. Christina turns up in a very inappropriately coloured white dress. For, Cliche. Yeah, I mean, for for a spell that's going to involve blood, you've 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 not thought about your dry cleaners, love, have you? Um, there's a sword. Everyone else turns up. It's all quite dramatic. Lucy, did you like it? Did you feel the tension? I well, I didn't. Were you worried about? I it? didn't know what was going to happen. But one thing I would like to say is, Hippolyta, infinite wisdom, infinite power, did fuck all. Just stood there. So that was really annoying because they built. Why didn't they bring back? Why didn't she just bring some sort of like yeah. future, gun future gun that like targets everyone? Say, look, do, do yeah. you know what I mean? I know Chris, Christina's a That annoyed but... me. Um, and I was thinking... Yeah, but she could have done something. Gia, use your tails now. Get them out. Get them out for the lads. Um, use your tails. It's not horrible, tails. yes. I haven't thought about it, I you know. I always about her tails. Um, seeing his arms slashed open was pretty horrible. Uh, and I did wonder, like, well, who's going to save him? Maybe Hippolyta or Gia and her tails, but nobody bothered at that point. Um, yeah, there was tension. I didn't know what was going to happen. He's resigned to death, though, isn't he? Like, like you get told it in the first scene of the of the episode um, that 
when his mum says, you know, he says, I don't want to die, he's, but you have to, basically, is the situation. And, and well, literally, that's essentially well, what he said. Well, yeah, I mean, it's kind uh, of that you all have to die. And then he's been told multiple times he's going to die to save his family. Yeah. So I think the he's just accepted has, it, hasn't he? Yeah. And, and the audience has been told, you're going to die. Like, that, he's going to die. So it's just like, you know, I was expecting him to die. I wasn't expecting him to live through this because... If he did, I felt that I felt that would have been a bit of a cheat. Like I know, once again, there's no rules, but I felt like he had to die for this. Sac- it was a sacrifice, and we'll talk about it now. Like ticks, he, he, it's a moment. Like his sacrifice for the greater good of you know, of, of all black people is you know is similar to like civil rights activists who sacrifice their like safety and stuff like mm. that. You know what I mean? Well, in that moment, it's that idea of sacrifice that moment itself actually is really powerful on a personal level not for me personally for well you know um so as okay christina's been sort of like lapping up his blood like a weirdo yeah. um because she's a creep but ticks what i assume to be ticks soul starts coming out of his body and going towards christina and at that same moment letty wakes up gasping um and starts running yeah how's, how's that happened and there's a part of me that thinks here that chris well, I'm wondering if Christina's kept her promise to Ruby. Yes, yeah, she has. Not to hurt her sister. She put she she put the mark of Cain back on Letty before she booted her out the window. Yeah, which is clearly what's happened. Basically. But, but Letty... You, you see the flash... You see it in a flashback. Yeah, you nine do. Tails. Um, but Letty runs and, and, and she, she comes face to face with, with Tick and they both sort of smile at each other. She tells him that she loves him and he sort of smiles and closes his eyes and dies and you know you're right Len totally that the sacrifice is so powerful and I'm glad I'm not glad he's dead because I quite liked him I'm glad that they did that and they didn't choose to save him because I think it makes what happens later so much more important because he has he has given his life for his race you're gonna save them all as Hannah said um okay so it's not over Letty grabs a sword, shoves it through Christina, starts reciting a spell, little lightning. Um, something is working, but it's not quite working. So Hippolyta, in her infinite wisdom, is like, "Oh, they they've got to be connected." And Gr's like, "Oh, I can mm. use my fox tails," which is quite cool. Yeah, you know, yeah. connects so them she up. Can get them and out when it she happens. Wants. And <laughs> conductor. Horrible. Yeah, tale. who knew? I thought it was just an involuntary, you Sexual know, thing. Uh, and this is when we get the flashbacks. So Christina catches Ruby trying to steal her potion, hooking her up to a machine to steal her likeness. Tick getting baptised. We've confirmed that's what's happening. Tick handing Hippolyta a letter to Montrose to explain, obviously, that he's going to die. Um, and Christina putting the mark of Cain back onto to Letty. Um, and then there is a huge explosion in the sky black screen for like 15 seconds it's quite a long moment um at this point you know now in hindsight we know all this happens but at this point lucy was any of that in the flashback a surprise to you well i think well we haven't mentioned d and the shoggoths no i haven't that's true um yeah the the flashback was i just think if you've got to explain that much plot in like a 15 second flashback I don't think you've done very well with the plot would you agree with that it's like oh also this is all this stuff's happening in the background blah, 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 
There, there you go. The end is very rushed. I did say that. the en- The end is rushed. The end is rushed. I don't know. I don't know if I agree about having about having a flashback like that being necessarily a sign of a rushed plot that you have to explain it that way. I think, you know, I understand some of the decisions that they made to keep things behind closed doors, so to speak, for the revelation. I think they probably could have dealt with some of it a bit differently. Um, Mm. But actually, I didn't mind it. I really didn't mind it. Um, So we'll we'll agree to disagree on that one. Uh, so we come back to see Christina bruised and bloodied under and trapped under rubble. She's muttering in what I assume to be the language of Adam. And Letty stands over her looking like a badass um, and explains she's bound every white person in the world from magic. Like, you've, you've been bound, you can't touch it. Not just you, now it just belongs to us. Uh, which is cool, right? Like, really cool. You people are not responsible enough to have this, so you're not allowed to have yeah. it. Yeah. Like taking back control and taking back power. It's interesting. Uh, we'll talk about book differences um, later on um, and how it's different slightly. But it's interesting that it's all white people don't get to use magic. Um, it's a pretty broad stroke. I understand. It's this idea of, I think they've talked about it before, using the devil's tools um, like magic not fully understand like fully understanding it but now they do have an understanding of it they're taking those tools and then stopping them from using it i think it's so interesting as a sort of wrap up that i kind of feel we needed more time with this information it was a lot to take in in the last five minutes of the episode there's only two other things that happen here i just mean this is such a big thing that like it was just mentioned flippantly, um, not flippantly, but it like was just like a throwaway in a line of dialogue. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Once, yeah, and I. That's why. Yeah, maybe it's just me wanting more. Uh, selfish, but um, always wanting more. Yeah. Len. always wanting more. Sorry. Um, what I didn't want more of is this next bit because it really. I mean, I did and I didn't. I did because it was amazing, but I didn't because it made me cry. So Montrose turns up and he call, he's calling to Atticus and grabbing at him to say, come on, get up, it's time to go home. Sad. He absolutely cannot admit and accept that he's gone. And mm. I was in fucking floods of tears at this. It just got me from the first moment that Montrose turned up and saw him. And Hippolyta hands him a letter, which is the letter that we saw Tick hand over, which is read over their journey back to the car carrying his body. Um, mm. And I'm going to read it to you. See if I can elicit mm. some more tears. So he says, uh, Dear Pop, I hope you'll forgive me for this one last secret. I I know you wouldn't accept it, but it had to be done to protect our family, to protect us all. There is neither happiness nor misery in the world. There is only the comparison of one state with another, nothing more. He who has felt the deepest grief is best able to experience supreme happiness. Recognize that? Dumas' wise words are my wish for you, supreme happiness. Yeah, teach my son new ways of living instead of repeating what we've been through. As little George's grandfather, you have a second chance to be the father you always wanted. Don't waste it. Love tick. Now I'm well again. Mm, yeah. Oh, it's so good. Uh, it's good from Michael K. Williams. Just that whole, just the way he handles that scene and his acting, I thought was just heart wrenching. Um, and he's been. 
my favourite actor this season. Like, I know his character is so complicated. Uh, we can't excuse some actions that he's done, but he's had beautiful moments as well. And this is a beautiful moment um, that I think will... This is one of the moments that will stay with me the most when I think about this show. So that's that you know that says it all really, and I and I loved it. I loved it that this felt like the end. This is where the episode should have ended. Yeah, I agree. This is where the episode should have ended because it, it feels more natural. What we go to in a minute, as I said, feels like a after credit scene. Like that's a bonus scene. Let people have that scene after the credits if if they want to you know stick around. Oh, have you seen the extra credit scene? Oh no, actually I'll go back and I'll stick around and I'll watch that. Or I'll, you, or, or Google it. You know what I mean? Like it, 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 it just feels a bit disconnected. Feels like we've got this heavy, heavy moment right now. This heavy, beautiful moment. This reconciliation between father and son, and then we go to, then we go to something that's very camp in a minute. Anyway, well, there wasn't really much chance to digest it. Was there? It's, it was, it was a heavy hit, and then almost immediately. Uh, D and uh, T'Challa, the Shogoth, turn up. Awesome. Uh, He's awesome. Dee pulls out her robotic arm and throttles her to the point where like her throat bursts, which is sick. Explodes. Yeah, like, rank. I quite liked it, though. I think you're right about the placement. I think it should have been post-credits, or at least we should have had a bit of time. But I thought it was kind of cool. I kind of I feel like that for D is her way of going, John, fuck you for topsy and bopsy mate like no not just that she killed george <clears throat> i well i'm thinking about recent things well her dad just fuck oh, you yeah. christina her dad that killed you, george this no? is for george her dad shot george yeah it was it was well, christina the brave the brave whites whatever artem you know it's all related I think it to been letty that. that killed her why do they have to turn d into a murderer yes like it should have been um, letty do you know what did, <clears throat> i i mm. This is interesting. It's an interesting decision because yes, D does need the revenge for her father um, and all the horrible magic that's been used against her. Um, but it felt it felt so weird to me because these two characters have very rarely interacted, like or in terms all. of like you know ever spoken to each other. I, I it is bizarre. It is bizarre, and this is what I mean. You've gone from this heavy scene where you've just had tick. And in his words, you know, apologising to Montrose and saying, look, and, and they're sort of reconciling and it's emotional and it's heavy. And then you've got this scene which ends the show with the Shogoth roaring at the moon. And I was just like, come on now. Come on. you. This is what I mean about sticking the landing. You know, come on. It's like they had it and then they did this scene. It's, it's what are they thinking? What are they thinking with this scene? Well, like if if John was watching this show now, oh in fact, all of you can agree with me. This is ter- this is terrible. This this last shot is terrible. But can we just admit? Can we all just admit to each other that this last shot is? Well, yeah, it doesn't like fit in with that the show at the time. At I. It was incongruous. It doesn't fit in. Like what is it? What is it? Well, look, I'm going to stick I, I my know. landing now. It's just um, yeah. Go on, stick it. I'm going to stick my landing. It's over. I, we don't know if there's going to be a season two or not. Um, we can talk about that at some point. But I think it's a really, really good opportunity for us to move away from the Shogoth and towards Cthulhu Corner with Len. 
Hello, welcome to the final Cthulhu corner of the season. All hail Cthulhu. Now, um, you know, this is going to be an interesting corner which focuses on um, a couple film references and then I'm going to talk about some book differences. Um, And, you know, if you don't want to hear that, just skip forward a little bit. I'll let you know when it's coming up. Um, So first of all, I want to talk about the ancestral plane that we visit uh, at the start of the episode. This is... And I felt this recently in the last few episodes. Obviously, they're referencing quite a lot of Black yeah. Panther stuff. This yep, is quite Black Panther, so. isn't it, Lucy? Definitely. The ancestral plane to Charla. Mm. Um, and, and and look, yeah, I oh, know, so sad. Um, but yeah, I, I was really getting those vibes from that, like uh, the, these set of scenes, and I, it's clear to see that they have taken quite a lot of inspiration in certain episodes from uh, the Black Panther universe. You know, whether it's the Hippolyta episode or all this here, you know, this is there's stuff going on. Um, I've talked about Jurassic Park. I don't want to mention it again. The end but the shot car is scene, just, is, the is car mental. scene with D with the shoggoths was also Jurassic Park yeah. with the torches. So when yeah. you said Jurassic Park, I thought that's what you meant. Yeah, yeah, it's totally Jurassic so, Park. Yeah. You're well, well done, Lucy. So yeah, that's an extra little Jurassic Park reference. Gold star for, for you, Lucy. Um, look, I do like the fact that D has a cool. Shogoth pet I think it's awesome don't get me wrong that is awesome um, to end the show on it no um, let's talk about the comic that um, Hippolyta gives to D, which is awesome the Orthea Blue but like properly done yeah like this is proper um, it, she mentioned this by Afua Richardson uh, and Afua Richardson is an African Native American artist and she's done covers for five issues of the world of Wakanda. Sweet. So, which is obviously related to Black Panther. That is, that cool. is cool, isn't it? Yeah. Very cool. I, I loved it. I love that as a sort of, as an Easter egg. So enjoy that little morsel around this Halloween time. Some candy. Yes. Um, and now I want to talk about book differences because there's not much Lovecraft to relate to in this in this episode, to be honest with you. It's all very magical. Um, so let's talk about um, book differences. Now, in the book, and if you want to skip this, just you know, skip forward a little bit. Um, but if, if you haven't read the book, go read it. It's very good, and there's loads of stuff. It's, it's not the same story. Let's be honest; it is just not the same story. Totally but not. we do have essentially all of our characters um, sort of hatching a plan to defeat Caleb Braithwaite. Um, but the interesting thing is that they got rid of, in the show, they got rid of this Chicago Order of the Ancient Dawn, um, you know, quite quickly last week or whatever. So there's this sort of confrontation in the book between the Caleb or Christina character and the Chicago chapter of the Order of the Ancient Dawn and the sort of our main cast are sort of being used and, and sort of uh, ticks being used in this sort of exchange between these two people and the rest of our cast is like doing a stealth mission to essentially come out on top, essentially. And it's interesting. Uh, it's different. It's very different. It's less um, insane <laughs> than yeah, what we get here. quite a bit uh, less insane. And, uh, and the result is kind of a similar thing. Like Caleb is bound from magic, so he's never able to practice magic again. But it's left in a more sort of jovial tone. They basically drop him off on the side of a road and go, yeah, you're nothing now. You can never use magic again. And he can't physically come back to the city, can he? 
No, and he's like, why, why have you done this to me? Please, please, please. And they just drive off. That's it. And it's just kind of a, a bit more, obviously, less epic than what we get here. But as I said... I think also, though, wanna... something that you mentioned earlier, Len, and actually Lucy said the same thing, like we talked about that car scene. Um, there are more things in the book that are more, I almost want to say jovial. Like there's more fun in it. There's less like utmost peril. Um, and I think that made the ending of the book much more enjoyable because it was a bit like, ah, well, you've been a naughty boy. Um, Essentially, yeah, that is the tone of it. And it is interesting to me that it's so different. But hey, as I said, go read the book. It's a very short read. You could do it in a day if you needed to. Um, And it is, you'll get so much, uh, some really interesting character stuff that you don't necessarily get in the show. I mean, you do, the show has expanded obviously on some of these characters, but there's some interesting little tidbits in there. So I I would highly recommend Matt Ruff's novel, Lovecraft Country. If you are, you know, itching for more Lovecraft Country, there's no harm in going to read the book now and deciding what version of the story you prefer. So please do go and do that. Now let's move on to some listener feedback because it's the final listener feedback of the season. First up, uh, an email from Wendy. Hello, fan critical. I'm an American fan and found your podcast as I was looking for recaps of Lovecraft Country. I love your approach to the review and analysis, and it's interesting to me to hear reactions from non-American viewers. I myself am a 50-year-old suburban white woman, what we call a soccer mom and love sci-fi, fantasy, and horror. One thing I love about Lovecraft Country, and also about Watchmen, was seeing stories about people who don't look like me. I like to see new characters, learn stories that are new to me, and hear new music. The R&B and soul music from Lovecraft Country has been a, a lovely treat. I wanted to pass along a couple of links uh, to Sun Ra, so, whose song Portrait of a Living Sky was featured in episode 7. So we talked, me and Gaz talked about Sun Ra a little bit in episode 7. Uh, there's some links that she has attached here uh, that I've seen. Uh, and also uh, there's a piece of information that she stumbled upon that Sun Ra had actually applied to NASA as part of their effort to enlist artists in documenting the space programme. So I thought that was very interesting. That's an amazing email. Um, Love that. Sun Ra is such a fascinating historical character that I've been doing some reading on. So this is great. Thanks for this, Wendy. Uh, she says, keep up the good work and looking forward to listening to the next podcast. Oh, thanks, Wendy. It's uh, lovely stuff. Lani has said, hi all. Now that Lovecraft Country is ending next week, I wondered if you'll be <laughs> covering The Haunting of Bly Manor. Ooh, Please. No. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> um, so... If anyone is a long-time listener of, of of Fan Critical will know that me and Gareth have done a Haunting of Hill House episode. And I'm not ruling out the possibility that me and Gareth couldn't do a, a short Haunting of Blind Manor episode. We need to have some discussions now that Lovecraft has finished as a, as a group and decide what we have to do. We've got some commissions to do. We've also got another How the Fuck Have You Not Seen That episode to do. Uh, we've got a Worst of Netflix to do. Um, a lot of things have been put on the back burner because of this show so we're gonna have a little chat and if if there's time me and gareth might be able to do a quick recap yeah, on i'm telling you now because i ain't I, touching that show yeah it's shit scary it's not I've, that scary i've watched it i've watched it it's not scary if you're a horror fan it's scary it's scary if you're probably not a horror fan but it's not scary uh it's just great it's it's a great show um if you haven't seen it Go watch it. Is it as good as Haunting of Hill House? I'll tell you right now. No, it's not, but it's still pretty good. Okay, let's move on. I digress. Next up, an email from Mary. 
I'm a new listener, having happened upon you in search of Lovecraft Country recaps. When I first heard your accents, I was sceptical that you'd be able to capture the nuances and significance of the African-American history and point of view that is integral to telling of this story. Having listened to your recap of episodes 7, 8 and 9, I will go back and listen to the others, I've been very impressed with your knowledge and sensitivity. Kudos. And I did leave you a review on iTunes. I apologise. Uh, in it, I said British accents and heard in the recap today, you're in Australia. Ah, yes. So that is confusing. We yes, are so actually British. You were right but the Some first of us time, live Mary. in Australia. We're expats. So you're right. So don't worry. And thank you very much for the review, Mary, and your kind words. Um, has been a very difficult show um, to cover for us because, as I said, we've been learning as we uh, basically record and before we record and the show has been educational for us as well as, you know, uh, analysing it from a technical standpoint of, a sh- of just being a show. So it's um, it's been a, it's been an interesting ride, right, guys? Yeah, definitely has. We've had another email from, from John Foster Bay. Thank you, John, for your dialogue this season. Uh, he said that we might have missed something. Uh, I don't have time to read it all because we're running way over, but I will notice the fact that me and Gareth might have been wrong about something. So, uh, guys, I think you may have really missed a couple of points in the latest episode. Let me start with the time travel decision. They had to return to Tulsa at exactly the time of the massacre. Remember, Montrose leads Tick to the park to witness the death of Montrose's friend. Tick had to be there at exactly that moment. Uh, if to save his father, uncle and mother, and in order for Tick to be born. If Tick had not returned to that moment, Montrose George and Tick's future mum would have died and Tick would have not been born. I actually thought this was kind of neat and dealt with the time travel paradox. Some would say that you can only interfere with the past if it brings about already identified future. In fact, this episode might suggest a conflict in the multiverse theory. That is, instead of creating a new timeline, Tick, Montrose and Letty presence were necessary to maintain the current timeline. So everything that everyone did was necessary to maintain the integrity of the timeline. Now, I'm just going to say that is a great, great point, John. Um, Last week, I was like saying to Gaz, uh, you guys probably heard this. I was like, hey, you know, they didn't actually have to. Why did they have to go to the exact point here? And obviously it it, you know, John's right because time wouldn't tick wouldn't be born if he hadn't gone to this exact point. So my argument was that the characters had no reason because they didn't know this information. They didn't know that Tick was the mystery mystery man that saved them. But fate and time itself obviously decided that time. So because it, it had because it had to be. So it is a very good point. Uh, me and Gaz were wrong. Thank you very much for that for that, John. And that is correct. And and that is it for feedback this week. Uh, we've recorded a little bit early so if some people have sent some stuff in and we haven't seen it i do apologize uh you know still feel free to email us or email back when i can when i get a spare moment um i want to say thank you to everyone who's written in this season um it's been like i said educational we've learned so many different perspectives different takes on episodes that we don't have uh you know the knowledge of and it's been it's been amazing to have a dialogue uh with the listeners and i hope that you guys as i said continue to write into us at fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com um and keep listening to the other content on fan critical because that would be amazing to you know have you guys along with us on on other journeys because we like going on these these journeys so uh to have you guys along would be fantastic so please do search fan critical on any podcast app and uh, back to Emma in the studio. Thanks, Len. And yeah, to echo that, thank you so much for everyone that's written in. Um, you know, we 
we really appreciate listening to as many different perspectives as possible and it you know it's been a massively educational ride for us in a lot of ways um john's discovered he doesn't really like monsters in science fiction yeah uh yeah. which has been great for him <laughs> um and we've all learned a lot of in all seriousness a lot of things which has been fantastic um do subscribe to fan critical which is our main channel we do loads of other stuff um as len mentioned earlier there's over 200 odd episodes there that you could go back and listen to to get a feel for the other kind of things that we cover um so we'd we really love that if you keep listening to us. Uh, but I'd really just like to say thank you to, um, well, Bopsy's not here, but thanks, thanks, Gaz, for all of your Lovecraft lounging uh, and general participation. Um, Len, thank you for Cthulhu Corner taking on hosting and, and dealing with all our listener feedback. No worries. Pleasure. Uh, Lucy, thank you for your insightful an enjoyable input right the way through the season it's been a pleasure to go on this journey with you guys but it's time for us to say a final farewell bye goodbye everybody goodbye everyone uh, it's been it it's been a roller coaster it has but stay safe guys with us. luckily we all had seatbelts safety first stay safe and we'll see stay you on the other bye. side bye.